Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh, frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Yeah, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. What's up, everyone? It is Nick. Amanda is off dealing with the real-life home alone situation with all 10,000 of her kids, plus extended family, for this holiday weekend. So we wish her the best. And also, she's expecting a new niece and or nephew. So congrats to Amanda. But I am joined by Ryan, as always. You can fi- find him at DC Natchek. Find me at half shack cap and find amanda at a white seven eight seven seven uh ryan how was your fourth of july weekend bud um a little upset you didn't use a really big word no one's ever heard that before for introduction but that's all right um the fourth was great played <laughs> played lots of cornhole i made ribs today um i did a 30 hour marinade and i made my own barbecue sauce 9.75 out of 10 not giving myself a 10 because God stay humble. Shout out Food Network for the recipe because it was really good. I bookmarked it. Um, fantastic. And I watched the first half of Hamilton. A little too much singing for me. Um, I'm more of a things go boom and like 
ha 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 that's funny kind of guy so the whole singing thing didn't really go well for me <laughs> so uh well as far as the big words thing goes i couldn't engage in stolen valor so that's amanda's <laughs> thing i have my own thing which is apparently just being a very generic uh fill in oh, occasional no. host um but as far as hamilton goes I am known for liking musicals, uh, High School Musical, Greatest Trilogy of All Time, <laughs> uh, Star is Born, Greatest Movie of All Time, uh, but Hamilton does not interest me in the slightest, and then you told me it was like four hours long, and I could think of a million other things I'd rather do than the uh, four hours in Hamilton. There's a couple songs I was like, oh, that was pretty good, like, that was a good song, but then I'm like, okay... Are they going to have a sentence here? But they just kept on singing. And right. I had to turn the captions on because, like, I can't process it that fast. Yo, for real, that's honestly a power move. Even in, like, with movies I've seen millions and millions of times, I will turn the, the captions on just to see if there's anything I miss. And, and I, I don't mind it because, like, I can still hear. So it's not like I have to read. Like, if you're watching a foreign film like Parasite, it's another one. Like, it, it's a, in a foreign language, so you have to read if you want to understand. But with something in English, the captions aren't necessary because so, you can still hear it, but it can also add more to, to what you're watching, which, I mean, maybe it's like a pure dad move, but I love it. I almost exclusively watch with captions now. I'm going to have to watch It's Always Sunny with captions the next time I watch it. <laughs> it's some of the jokes, it would just be funny to read as well. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I'm not denying Hamilton's not good or anything, but just not my style for sure. Uh, I'd rather just, you know, stare at the wall and hate my life for four hours. <laughs> I'd rather eat glizzies. Are you the glizzy gobbler? I'm <laughs> the throat goat. <laughs> throat goat, baby. <laughs> I'm coming for, um, what's the, uh, is it Pete Chestnut? Is that his name? Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. <laughs> Pete I'm, Chestnut. I'm, com Joey, I'm coming Joey for his record. Younger brother. <laughs> I'm coming for Joey's record of 75 glizzies in 10 minutes, which is probably the most obnoxious thing I've ever heard in my life. What's even more stupid is, like, he sets his own record almost every year. But if you look at the second-place finishers, there are, like, 38, he maybe 42. 43. <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> absurd. He's, like, freaking lapping these guys. And they're so-called professionals. Like, whatever happened to Kobayashi? Like, I know he got arrested. But, I mean, bring him back just for, like, a OG challenge or something. I don't know. But, I mean, we're talking go goats. Joey Chestnut's up there, but Pete Chestnut is his younger brother. He sets records for, like, mini corn dogs or something like that. <laughs> but, um, but obviously, baseball is back, uh, at least for now. Um, some news regarding COVID tests and teams going back to their parks, including your Washington Nationals. So, Ryan, why don't you give us the update on what's going on? Yeah, so... Um, sorry, I was adding one last note to the Week in Review. If you thought Major League Baseball couldn't possibly get any more incompetent this break, you're in luck because they found a way to raise that bar. On an interview on CBS Sports Network, um, Rob Manfred said, The truth is we, are never go we were never going to play over 60 games regardless how well the negotiations went with the union. 
Rob Manfred and the owners decided to drag the sport through the mud and waste a beautiful window to grow the game of baseball over greed. They dragged everyone through the mud for three months, wasted everyone's time for greed. Shout out baseball. And what was long rumored is now official. Um, minor league season has been canceled. Um, it is believed that at least half of the minor league teams will fold if there is no outside help. This is a damning event for the sport and something that's also a very, very dark day. Major League Baseball has won this for a while, but that is a lot of jobs that people are going to lose because of Major League Baseball. Part of it is outside their control, but this is something Major League Baseball has wanted for a long time. There was some good news. Players reported back, and the first round of MLB tests had a 1.2% positive rate. For note, the NHL and NBA were closer to 6%. This is incomplete, however, as the data does not count players who tested positive before the intake test, which is believed to be about 50 to 60 players. Also, not all teams have done their testing, and not all tests, not all players are back yet. Miguel Sano, Freddie Freeman, Aaron Nola, and DJ LeMayu lead the names of those infected. We saw the first round of players beginning to opt out as David Price, Felix Hernandez, Mike Leake, and Tyson Ross so far have opted out. More players, including Buster Posey, Mike Trout, and Andrew Miller, have said they're still uncertain if they're going to play this season. Sean Doolittle calls out the owners and said the way they handled the entire negotiation negotiation was gross and disrespectful. He also noted that they have not sent teams the PPE that they promised to give them. And probably the wildest story of the offseason, or whatever you want to call this, Miguel Sano is facing an investigation into assault and kidnapping charges. Sano says accusers are making up the story to blackmail him for, make, for a large sum of money. The twins are looking into the investigation now, as others are investigating it, but Sano is saying he is being framed. The Indians have begun the process of examining their name and looking at a name change. This has local support of tribes, as well as coaches and players on the team who say it is time. The schedule is releasing tomorrow on Monday, July 6th, but the two opening night games have been confirmed as the Yankees Nationals in Nats Park and the Giants Dodgers in LA. To the Nats, haven't said that one in a while, so it's good to have Nats updates. Ryan Zerman, Joe Ross, and Wellington Castillo have opted out. Sean Doolittle says as of now he is playing, but that could change at any moment. Carter Keeboon was announced to be the starting third baseman, as Davies said, and I quote, for now, end quote. Two national players of the 60 tested had a positive test. Is not sure who those players are, but they did have two positive. And please wear a mask. Keep fighting against racial injustice. Wash your hands. And please do not vote for Kanye. Can't believe I had to say that. 2020 is a very weird year. And this week in review has been brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. It is because, I mean, a ton of, I love having like actual uh, information with weight in the week in review. It's like we can actually discuss and not just stretch something out that isn't meant to be stretched. But like one of the first, you started with the Manfred talking about um, how the MLB was never going to play more than 60 games, which was baffling that you would actually openly admit that. I know. (laughs) For for one. But also, I remember texting you about that when that news broke, 
that was easily like three weeks ago. I had no clue <laughs> that that happened in this past week. So, um, it, it, <laughs> insane. um, but one thing I just, the Mel, Miguel Sano story, I, I didn't hear about that. I mean, just surprise me. I mean, Miguel Sano had, I'm pretty sure, didn't he get popped for like PDs and then he was like supposed to be the next big thing. He got sent down to AAA or something. It's something like, that would happen to me in the show or something. <laughs> um, but you remember when Wilson Ramos got kidnapped? Yo, yes, <laughs> that was so wild and random. That was like, so I, wild. <laughs> I remember getting an ESPN update about it, and I was like, "What?" And like they went in and got him. But then I completely forgot about that. And then when Ramos signed with the Mets, and like when the Nats did his welcome back video, they were like. He endured incredible perseverance through hard times. And my friend I was with looked at me and just goes, it's because he was kidnapped. And I was crying laughing because I completely forgot that happened. Like, I felt bad for laughing, but, like, great he was okay, but completely forgot that happened. Yeah, so, like, the fact that it's okay, we can joke about it, right? Like, yeah. That's um, <laughs> I just remember <laughs> when the news broke that he was safe. They said they found him underneath the bed. <laughs> Uh, it was such a wild story. Um, but I guess sticking with the Nats, the two positive tests, one thing uh, that they did mention was uh, it was uh, was not anyone who had already reported. So people like Max, uh, Strauss, Corbin, Dew, Trey, people like that uh, are clear. Huddy. Uh, yeah, Huddy. But two people that have not reported, and I'm not saying these are the two, but two people who have not reported are Juan Soto and Victor Robles. So they are still in the Dominican. Okay. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, no, no, you're good. I saw something how a lot of players from the Dominican are being held up. Actually, a lot of the players overseas are being held up because it's very difficult. Just really cause, the whole world, actually. Yeah, like every every <laughs> single country in the world has a travel ban on America right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little difficult to get them. So a lot of teams are going to have to send in their own planes. But Robles keeps posting on his Instagram story, him out in clubs and everything. And I'm like, my man, you got to hold it down in center field this year. Like, you need to buckle up and get it together. Yeah, I'm not really ever trying to hear the, oh, if Michael A. Taylor got regular A.B.'s argument again, because I am way over that. (laughs) (laughs) I I am invested in Vic Robles now, so come on, get, get that going. Um, but as long as no matter what happens with COVID, no matter what happens with the Nats and certain players opting out, like I completely get why, uh, Zim opted out, uh, Joe Ross, uh, people are kind of confused because he was obviously vying for that fifth spot. He, his last start was what game four, game five of the world series. So you would think he would want to play, but also he's just a smart person. <laughs> I mean, he, he well, his knows. parents are doctors. So like, right. Yeah. So it's just like, you, you can't blame it all. I wouldn't blame anyone for, for opting out. I mean, they could just be like straight up. No, I don't want to play during a pandemic. And I'd be like, I, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I hate that. Like every single player who's opting out is releasing a statement. When we know for every single reason why all these guys are opting out, like, Obviously, it's a pandemic. Like, you don't have to explain yourself, but I forgot to include this in my week in review. Um, shout out John Heyman, best reporter in the game, oh, who God. said, I think we're going to see some of the players who can afford to opt out, opt out. Like, 
Great, great analysis, John. Great. Um, people who are financially stable are, can afford a year you without can tell a paycheck. When, uh, Scott Boris <laughs> isn't giving him word for word <laughs> for sure. Um, I get like certain people like Zim was not only the first to opt out on the Nats, but just one of the first to opt out in general. So for that, I get he talked about that a while ago. Yeah, I, I, for that, I get why you would release a statement. Someone like Ian Desmond, I thought Ian Desmond's statement was great as far as why he opted out. As I agree with you, as more and more people opt out, I, like, I don't think a statement's necessary. I mean, just a, even just like a quick tweet would just be like, hey, uh, like David, I, I don't know if you mentioned it, but David Price opted out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like even just a quick, I wish I was out there, but my family, my health is way more important type deal. I mean, everyone gets it, uh, but I get feeling like you need to at least say something. But point being, as long as we get July 23rd, Max versus Cole in D.C., Juan Soto reunited with his son, Garrett Cole. I mean, that's all I want. Like, I am so invested on July 23rd that if it doesn't happen, like, it will break me even more so than COVID has already broken me. <laughs> I need this game. <laughs> but, um, uh, well, I guess the one thing that I did want to mention, what do you think about the Indians and possibly changing their name? You think it's warranted? Yeah, I think it's time. Um, I know there was a lot of issues with their mascot, and they swiftly, well, swiftly, it was around for a very long time, but once people brought it up, they did go away from Chief Wahoo. Um, I think that was the right decision. Um, I know people are pretty torn on this. A lot of people don't see an issue with it. Others do. But I think with everything that's going on in our country right now, um, there's a lot of unrest and a lot of people who are mad. And I think if there's even a smallest slimmer that someone can be like upset at your name, you just do the right thing and change it. Like It's 2020. Yeah. And also... It's Cleveland spider season. Bring it back. <laughs> Honestly, I, I would be down with the spiders. I don't think they're going to, um, but I, I mean, and we, and we just talked about the Indians having arguably the worst uniforms in baseball too. Like, absolutely, they need to get rid of Chief Wahoo, and they did get a good job of doing that. But since they got rid of that, they don't really have an identity as far as their brand goes. It's just the block C. Right. Exactly. So uh, I, I do think they should change it. As far as the argument goes, it's not people being too sensitive. Like, it's uh, – and we don't have to get in, into that, but Redskins and Indians were by far the worst offenders in that argument. Like, as far as, like, the Blackhawks, Blackhawks, Chiefs, Braves, I mean, there's certain aspects, like the tomahawk chop for the Braves. That was a big thing last year. Uh, there are certain things that they should steer clear from, certainly. But I don't think each any of them warrant a name change. Uh, I can't remember what the Blackhawks logo looks off looks like off the top of my head, but that might need to be changed. But I mean, the Redskins might change their name to the Red Hawks, so I don't see like the Blackhawks needing to change their name. But you definitely need if you have to think twice about it, you should probably change it, right? So just rule of thumb with that. But Cleveland Spiders, I, I'm down for that for sure. Um, but we will see. But speaking of Indians and just baseball in general, uh, this episode we are going to go through the AL and NL East teams. We had started that uh, back in March during spring training one. 
uh, we're currently in spring training too, or summer training, whatever you want to call it. We'd started it. We did the uh, AL and NL West. We did the AL and NL Central. And of course, right when we were going to get to the good stuff with the AL and NL East, COVID broke and everything was on pause. So we'll finally get to that. But first, we're just going to recap the West and Central divisions, kind of go over some of the points we talked about before, but also talk about the implications of a 60-game season. There might be certain teams that weren't built to sustain success over 162-game season, but now you compact that into a 60-game season, and they could find themselves fighting for a wild-card spot. Uh, My first initial thought is some of the older guys or older teams, those older guys might struggle to start. Whereas the young guys, they can stay fresh. They've been working. They might not have family. So they could have just been, you know, grinding over these past three, four months and staying in shape, staying ready. So those young teams, at least in my opinion, might have a slight edge going into the 60-game season. But we'll just take it division by division and kind of give a couple thoughts on the divisions as a whole. So let's start out west and work our way east since this is the east episode. Uh We'll start at the top, Ryan, NL West, Dodgers, Padres, I guess I guess you can say the Diamondbacks, they're kind of sneaky good. Uh, what do you, What is your thought for the NL West? I think the NL West is, well, first of all, the Dodgers are going to clearly run away with this right. division. Yeah. Even with Price sitting out, their yeah. rotation is still stupid deep. And um, their farm system. Yeah, like their, their entire t- roster is just... Like, they're so deep at every single position. Um, I think they run away with this. I think they have the best record in baseball. I say they get 42 wins this year. Um, Don't think anyone else is going to be too close to that. Um, They're going to get 42. Before, um, I think I kind of dismissed the Padres, but I think a 60-game season really swings in the Padres' favor. The, I mean, they're like stats and everything, um, but Fangraphs has done a lot of simulations. So it's Baseball America, and all those sites give the Padres a little bit of an extra boost. Uh, just the way, like, the 60-game season with their really young team, they can easily just start hot, and all it takes is a good 15-game stretch, and you're in. Giants, terrible, probably going to get bottom five pick or top five pick. Rockies don't really think anything of it, and I don't really – know too much about i mean I, like i just don't really see anything happening the with the Diamondbacks. yeah like yeah. i think they're just third place non-factor so that division is clearly dodgers run away padres are the really interesting team to watch in now this year in my opinion yeah so i am definitely higher on the padres now than i was uh when i thought there was going to be a full season so i agree with you and i guess the experts on that um, so I'm not saying anything, you know, breaking news here, but, uh, I don't see them still, uh, fighting for a wild card spot, definitely over 500. So maybe, well, then again, you don't really know what, what record is going to claim a wild card spot. You know, they're definitely not getting the Dodgers, but I can see them getting like 32 wins for whatever that's worth. I just don't see the pitching. I mean, aside from Paddock. They don't really have anyone who's proven or at least, uh, you know, has had uh, extended success in the uh, in the majors. But it absolutely is the Dodgers division. I have the Diamondbacks still finishing in second. If they got a wild card spot, 
I wouldn't be surprised because, and we'll get to this a little bit later, I think the East absolutely beats up on each other. I think the, the Central absolutely beats up on each other. So the Diamondbacks playing in the weaker division, having games against uh, not only the Rockies and Giants, and I mean, even if you want to throw the Padres in there for lack of experience, you get the games against the Mariners, the Angels. Um, I mean, I would say the Rangers are necessarily a pushover, but they're not proven yet, at least. So you get kind of five-ish week teams for the Diamondbacks to kind of pad their stats on. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the Diamondbacks snuck in. They almost did last year. They were pretty hot to end the season. Um, but let's shift over to that AL West. Do you think it's still the Astros in a 60-game season? Honestly, I'm kind of kind of excited about this. Um, so the AL West has two top 10 teams in baseball. The A's are a top 10 team. Obviously, Absolutely. the Astros are a top 10 team. Um, I think the Astros are still in the upper echelon of elite teams in the league, even with all everything that happened to them. Like, they're not going to be stealing signs this year, allegedly. I still think this is their division. Um, I think someone has to knock them off. But this is a pretty interesting division to watch. The A's are always there. Um, they have been beating up on the very, very weak AL Central and bottom-heavy AL East the last couple of years. They have taken advantage of that. So I don't know if are they truly that great of a team because they always get smacked in the wildcard game every single year. Or like have they just been taking advantage of bad teams? We'll find out this year because they have to go through the entire West. Um, another team that I'm pretty excited is the Angels. Really? This kind of depends on if Mike Trout plays or not, but mm. they got Trout, they got Rendon, back-to-back in a 60-game season. And, both and Otani. Them, I mean, and Otani's back. Again, so. Yep, yeah. he's been throwing Pujols, um, really benefits him, 40 years old. It kind of sucks because he's on his quest for his home run landmark. So going to 60 games hurts. And they also have Simmons. Like, they have a pretty good lineup. And the fact mm-hmm. that we get to see Rendon and Trout, who both have stupid numbers and 60-game splits, pretty excited. In 60 games, can just two guys carry you and make up for a lack of pitching? The Angels will answer that question. I'm pretty excited. Still think mm-hmm. Astros win. Yeah, so with the A's, I'm super high on the A's. Uh, they're pretty much my, like, AL team now. I, I'm huge on the A's. Uh, Ryan, you, you sold me on their jerseys for sure. Uh, but I love the A's. The only thing with them, and I just knocked the Potters for that, is they don't have even one really established starter. Manaya's coming off injury. They have Luzardo and Puck, who are huge. I believe they're both top 100 prospects, and they will be ready at some point soon, but, you know, that that's a lot of pressure to put on young guys. Um, so they are a young team and should get some benefit from a 60-game season and be able to take advantage of some teams. But like you said, they're not playing the weak AL Central or the the bottom feeders of the AL East anymore. <laughs> um, so who knows if they can overtake the Astros. It's definitely still the Astros to lose. Even though they lost Garrett Cole, they have a full year of Zach Greinke to kind of make up for that. They get Lance McCullers back from injury. Um, we'll see how much of a difference offensively uh, – they take now that they're not stealing fines. But, again, it's the Astros division until it's not. Um, I do like the Angels, uh, like, uh, lineup, obviously. But, again, no pitching whatsoever. Like, who's their opening day starter? 
I mean, maybe Otani, I guess, just just for show. But after that, like, there, there's not really anyone. Do they still have Matt Harvey? Like, I can't name another pitcher for the Angels. Um, so we'll have to see with that. I'm excited about the Rangers because they have the pitching depth. We'll see if the lineup can you know, provide enough runs. But I think the AL West is arguably the best division in baseball. Okay, um, okay. The Mariners definitely suck, and they're they're not <laughs> they're not a, a, a threat whatsoever. But I maybe not the best division, but the most interesting division because I think everyone's chalking it up to the Astros and they see the A's. But if the Angels or Rangers pushed, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, but one other point I wanted to talk about, I know. Everyone talks about Mookie Betts and the Dodgers with COVID. How sucky is it to be an Angels fan and you paid all this money, you thought you were going to get Garrett Cole, you didn't. You got Anthony Rendon, who's no slouch. Obviously, any team would have loved him. But he's also older, and it's a seven-year contract. So you're hoping those – it's a typical seven-year contract that we saw we saw with Jason Worth you pay for seven years, but you're expecting the primary production to be in those first three to four. Well, now you're cutting in half even more so that prime year of Anthony Rendon. I mean, and a prime year of Trout, too, but, like, it just stinks, man. I that I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just stinks, but we'll see. Um, let's move on to the Central. Uh, we'll start in the NL again. Uh, I, Tricky, tricky division. I mean, the Cardinals pulled it out last year, but uh, you still have the Brewers there. The Cubs could easily bounce back, and no one would be surprised. And uh, who's the fourth team? Oh, the Reds, obviously. Reds with all the additions they've made. Um, RIP to the Pirates. But what team do you think benefits the most from the 60-game season out of the NL Central? Yeah, so... Just thinking about it and looking at it, this division was headed for just everyone's kind of on the downswing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, no one is truly on the way up. Um, the Cubs, I don't know what happened their core, but ever since they won the World Series, they've just been on downward swing. Um, I think they do come back a little bit, but there's a lot of freaking question marks there. Again, the Cardinals losing a lot. Um, Los Martinez, big bat in the lineup, just got humiliated in LCS. Do they bounce back from that? Pirates, no one cares about you. You suck. The Reds, they're that team that was everyone was looking at taking that big jump this year. Mm-hmm. All those moves they made, does that hurt them with the layoff? Does that give them a benefit of the doubt with less room to mess up? I do think this swings in the Brewers' favor, though, because the Brewers, wow, such a short schedule in such like emphasis on every single game, the way their pitching staff is, they can mix and match however they want. Like they have about ten dudes, including the bullpen, who they feel they can throw out at any time. And I really think that handles with them. Like we saw them in the wild card game. They mm-hmm. um Woodruff went three innings and everyone else took over. And like they have their formula and it almost worked until Juan Soda said, excuse me. And I think they can do that over a 60-game season. They had a hell of a stretch in September with a pretty tough schedule without Yelich. Now they have Yelich healthy again, who's the best player in baseball, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, not named Mike Trout. But I think it really swings in their favor for 60 games. 
I like that, and what, that's a good point about the Brewers. They've had a lot of turnover from last year to this year, but like we saw the Nats do to replace Bryce Harper, kind of with Patrick Corbin and some supplemental pieces, and now to replace Rendon with other supplemental pieces, the Brewers kind of did the same thing. It's uh, it's a lot. Like if you look at the key departures and key additions, I mean they probably have eight or nine for each one. But they did a very good job of cutting payroll, replacing key guys with that, and staying competitive. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. I still think it's the Cardinals division because that lineup's still good. Yeah, they lost Martinez and they also lost Azuna too. Um, but the lineup's still good enough. But you all, the, the pitching is just stupid. Like you get Flaherty and Hudson, but then you also get. Oh, man, his name's escaping me. It was the, the Martinez trade, the guy they got from Tampa. He is on their 60-player pool, and I expect to see him because his stuff is dirty. Um, and I'm, I think Wainwright still plays. It might take him a while to, to get rolling, but um, they have a good bullpen as well with Gallegos and even Andrew Miller still a little bit serviceable and whatnot. So I still think they're the team. Um, but I have bumped the Reds up into a wild card spot from my initial prediction. I had two uh, teams coming out of the NL East prior to this, but now I think the Reds probably win the wild card because I don't think there's a team in baseball that the 60-game schedules favors more than the Reds. I think the additions they made are ready to roll. They have a good pitching staff, a good lineup. I think they are going to be ready to roll because all eyes were kind of on them already. And now I think they're ready to take that leap. But we shall see. They're going to be the team to watch for sure. Um, moving over to the AL Central, I mean, this one really, I, I guess you could call it a two-horse race, but it's definitely still the Twins. Yeah. Um, sorry, Monty, but your, ti- <laughs> your Tigers suck. They stink. Um, they're, they're Actually, Marlins might do better than them. So the Tigers can't really consider the Royals as well. They got the World Series. Now they're going through the whole tanking thing, even though minor leaguers and undrafted free agents wanted to sign with them because how they treated their uh, minor leaguers, that will mm-hmm. pay off one day. They're just day. about four or five years away from that. Indians, again, on the downward spiral. I don't think their pitching is as good as everyone thinks it is. No, it's the loss of... They don't have Kluber anymore. No one else has really proven anything outside of one year. Um, don't know if they're going to have uh, Carlos Carrasco this year with everything that's going on with COVID. Right. So I think they're on the swing. Enjoy Lindor for the last 60 games because he's going to be the Nats' second baseman next year. So <laughs> shout out to that. White Sox, I'm excited for. I think they could really do something, but don't think they make the Not playoffs. This year. Yeah. yeah, do you think they come in second? And I think the Twins run away with it. Yeah, I agree. The, the Twins, uh, they added those, like, you know, B-grade guys to the rotation. They added Donaldson to the already arguably best offense in baseball. Certainly the most firepower with setting the single-season home run record last year. So I think it is the Twins. White Sox, not this year. Indians, uh, as far as the pitching goes, you hit the nail on the head. It's not as good as everyone thinks. Clevenger is coming off off-season surgery. Bieber should be a top 10 pitcher uh, in baseball by the end of this year. If he, if he's not already, I don't, I haven't created the list in front of me, but if you had him, you know, lower in the top 10, I wouldn't blame you. Um, 
But he, I think he's the real deal. But like you said, after that, Cookie Carrasco, they probably won't have him just because he's, you know, recovering from leukemia and highly susceptible to COVID. Um, and I don't – Cleveland's just not committed to winning. They're, they're just not. Like, the, the highest free agent contract they've ever given was to Edwin Encarnacion just a couple years ago, and that was like three years, $60 million. Um, and they have a top 10 player in baseball currently on their roster. And two years ago, well, I guess two years before his contract ended one year ago from the time we're talking now, the owner just said, basically, enjoy him while he's here. So Cleveland is not committed to winning. I'm sorry. Uh, like, just change your name to Cleveland, the Cleveland not committed to winningers. So, or something like that. So uh, it is the Twins. That's probably the easiest one <laughs> we will go through. <laughs> um, but since we're not Nats podcast, let's save that for last and jump to the AL East. And we'll go team by team a little bit more in depth for these ones. Um, we'll start at, I guess, the top or the perceived top. And we'll start with the Yankees. Obviously, Eric Cole. Theoretically, you get Aaron Judge back and John Carlos Stanton back, who dealt with injuries all last year. And they still won over 100 games. So. Basically, how will the Yankees gloriously fail this season? So the East divisions are going to be the most exciting this year. Um, They're going to be very, very competitive, both sides. If you look at just the players alone who are in the East, like, it's stupid. Like, probably five of the top ten pitchers and, like, all the top talent as well that's in it. It's really freaking good. It's just, like, the Yankees, for a 162-game season – they have the second best roster in baseball. It's the Dodgers and Yankees, mm-hmm. a gap, and it's everyone else. But for a sixty-game season, like I don't know, for some reason, I just have a different feeling about it. They have a lot of injuries, and they've had like the ability to beat up on some of the smaller teams in the AL last couple of years. Sixty games, they can't do it. And even over one hundred sixty-two games, their lineup is very like go big or go home. They have a lot of dudes who are very, very inconsistent. Like, Stanton, when he's healthy, he's either mashing 100 home runs or he's striking out a 1,000 times. I think Aaron Judge is a top-10 player when he's healthy. But, again, but he, he goes through, yeah. exactly. he goes through those same stints like that. I, I still think they win the AL East. I don't think they run away with it like everyone else thinks they're going to. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, like, well, I guess now... Obviously, my, my, one thing we did talk about, Masahiro Tanaka took a John Carlos Stanton line drive off the dome, and John Carlos Stanton always leads the league in exit velocity or is at the near top. So that was no small thing. Thankfully, he was only has a mild concussion, but as I'm sure most of us know, concussions can linger, and who knows when or if Tanaka comes back. Severino is dealing with injuries. So really, they're, they're putting a lot of pressure or uh, – like pushing their chips on the coal train. And I don't blame them. He's arguably the best pitcher in baseball. I don't think he is. That's still Jacob DeGrom. Um, but they're putting a lot of emphasis on that and saying, oh, we still have a good lineup. When, like you said, Ryan, their lineup can be good, but it's wildly inconsistent. Luke Voigt, great story, inconsistent. John Carlos Stanton, arguably a top 10 player in baseball when healthy, inconsistent. Same thing with Aaron Judge. Gary Sanchez, I mean, holy hell, super inconsistent. Uh, um, what's the guy's name who plays third base 
Gio Urshela. Great story last year. Unproven. Uh, Miguel Andujar hurt all last year. Unproven. Like, so many ifs with the Yankees. I just don't see them being as dominant as they want to believe they are. All right, moving on to one of the more exciting teams. Clearly something is going right in Tampa. That is your Tampa Bay Rays. Um, took the Astros to the brink last year and got better, question mark. Um, I mean, certainly Glass now, a full year of supposedly of Glass now will help. They made some trades um, for uh, – man, I'm blanking on names today. <laughs> they traded Tommy Pham for a top prospect and that outfielder who is known for hitting home runs. I can't think of his name. Man, that's going to bother me. But Tommy Pham. Nope, they traded Tommy Pham. <laughs> um, man. Underwear info. Yes, is that it? I think so. I think so. Um, isn't Hunter – wait, am I thinking Hunter Renfro? Isn't he the slot receiver for the Raiders? I don't know. We'll say Hunter Renfro. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so question mark, are the Rays good enough to take the AL East? So in the playoffs, the most important thing you can have is a good bullpen. Mm-hmm. If you have a dominant bullpen in the playoffs – you're going to go far. That's why the Nats won. That's why they won. <laughs> Putting their uh, three elite starting pitchers out of the bullpen all their times. Um, if you have that elite bullpen, you're going to do well. So when you look at the Rays, they have the best bullpen in baseball. They pump out relievers at a rate no one else does. Like They just pump out unreal dudes every single freaking year. You have a 60-game season, and you're having less off days. Your bullpen's that more important, and the Rays have an absolute dominant bullpen, a bullpen that can go up some of the very, very good lineups that they're going to go up against. They already compete with the Yankees and Red Sox every single year, and their bullpen is still the best bullpen with ERA in baseball. When the American League collective ERA is much, much, much higher than the NL, not that much, but still higher. And then you also got to throw in the other offenses that they are on the other side that they're going to be facing. Their bullpen's going to do well. I think they get wild card one. I do not think that they make the uh, win the division, but their bullpen and just like there's like a weird scrappy team, but like their bullpen and their whole crew gets that first spot. So I do think they get that first spot, but not the wild card first spot. I think they get the first spot in the AL East, locking Ooh. in the Rays take the Ooh. East outside of the Nats and. I would even entertain a debate for this because you can argue Max Scherzer might decline, Anibal Sanchez might decline, um, and whatnot. I mean, hell, even Steven Strasburg could decline because this this past season was the most he's ever pitched, you know. So, I but as of now, I would say outside of the Nats, the Rays have the best rotation in baseball. They have Charlie Morton, who's like an ageless, ageless wonder himself, but he goes out there and shoves. Blake Snell, I think he bounces back. He dealt with injuries last year. Um, Kyle Glass, not like we talked about, but also Ryan Yarbrough, which, uh, throwing it back to a couple weeks ago, MLB posted like this thing saying uh, why baseball is the hardest sport, whatever, uh, and just a, a montage of nasty pitches. The first pitch that you see is from Ryan Yarbrough 
and I don't know how many of our listeners know like the movement of pitches and whatnot, but Ryan Yarbrough is a right-handed uh, pitcher. He throws a two-seam, which goes from left to right. So if you're a right-handed hitter, it goes in on you. If you're a left-handed hitter, it goes away from you. This two-seamer is by far the nastiest pitch I've ever seen in my life. It starts on the left-hander's batter's box and finishes in the right-hander's batter's box. Pitches don't move like that. They just don't. So whatever the Rays are doing, it's working. Uh, I am all in on the hype train. I honestly love this kind of um, trip we're on in sports where you see, like, the teams that aren't historically known for dominating win all these championships. The Raptors, uh, the Caps, the Nats, uh, the Blues, um, so on and so forth. I, I love that that's kind of where we're trending towards, and it's not just the payrolls and the Yankees and the Patriots over and over and over again. Uh, and I, I think the Rays are destined to add to that. I'm not sure it's this year. Uh, we have like a week or two until we do our season predictions. I will decide then. Um, but I do love the Rays a lot, and I think this is their year to take the division just because I do think the Yankees falter a little bit and the Rays take advantage of that but we will see um third place we're just going off last year's standings uh this is going to be an interesting debate I'm curious to see what your point is on them Ryan but we'll go to the Red Sox um certainly a different team from two years ago when they won it all and arguably one of the best teams ever in any season um no Mookie Betts no David Price now no Chris Sale. Um, are the Red Sox a, a threat, a contender, anything? So they're interesting. Um, their lineup is still great. They have Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. Um, Xander Bogarts, best shortstop in baseball. Oh, whoa, whoa. Over Lindor? Yes. If you, look at, if you look at Xander Bogarts' numbers since he's entered the, like, hit, entered the league, He's doing stuff shortstops don't really do on both sides of the ball. Um, Rafael Devers, top five third baseman statistically. J.D. Martinez is also great. That hard to line up with Benny Biceps. They had the, probably the second best defensive center fielder in baseball with J.B.J. They do, however, don't have Chris Sale for a year. Just trade away um, David Price. And also, you don't really know how healthy um what's his name what's his name they gave him the huge contract they gave him the huge contract after the world series he got hurt turned into a reliever oh Ivaldi. yes you don't know how healthy he is they want to throw him back in the rotation with everyone leaving i do think the pitching is going to be a question mark but the red sox historically and at least historically as well has been an offensive first league I still see them struggling, so I have them finishing a third again. They could get that second wild card spot, but I wouldn't be surprised if they missed out in the playoffs. Yeah, and to your point, I had no idea. I mean, I follow baseball. I used to be a Yankees fan, so naturally I'm kind of just always sort of paying attention to the AL East and, and whatnot. But Raphael Devers, I had no idea what a season he had last year because I remember 2018 when they won it all and he was kind of just like a role player, but he hit like 240. He had some pop. He had 21 home runs, 66 RBIs. But then out of nowhere last year, 311, 
32 home runs, 115 RBIs. Like, where in the heck did that come from? And he had over 200 hits to, you know, for good measure. So uh, I think he d- firmly deserves to be in that top third baseman category. Um, but, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is slated to be their number one starter, and he's arguably underrated as a starting pitcher. But Very underrated. You're not very comfortable, at least I'm not, with him as your ace for your team. So the Red Sox just aren't the same team they were. I mean, no news there because of all the pieces they're missing from that championship team. But the Red Sox do this. We, we saw this all throughout the 2010s. They suck for a couple of years, and all of a sudden they're really, really good. Suck for like a they won 69 really, really good. won like 100, the one the World Series the year after. Right, exactly. So... This might just be one of those, you know, valleys for the Red Sox again before they inevitably come back up and, and probably win another World Series in the 2020s. So, um, but this isn't their year, point being. And third place seems about right. Maybe even fourth place, but we'll get to that right now. With the Toronto Blue Jays, another young, exciting team with Vlad Cakes, Bo Bichette, uh, Kevin Biggio, on and on and on with the excitement. Uh, they just signed Hyunjin Ryu to solidify or be the workhorse in that rotation. Ryan, what are you expecting from the Blue Jays this year? They're just going to be a fun team to watch. Um, like you already said, they have a lot of really, really good, exciting young talent. They ju- did just sign Ryu. Not a big fan of him. They do have Travis Shaw, Randall Gritchick, the GOAT, um, Guriel Jr., um, Roark, randomly is also on the Blue Jays. But they're just going to be a fun team. Don't really see them doing anything or making any noise. I think the powerhouses in the East on both sides um, kind of trample them this year, and they kind of just get squashed by that, and they just can't really do anything. Otherwise, they do have a very promising future ahead of them, and they're on the right path. Just think having to play so many top teams, adding in the uh, American, I mean, the NL East, they just, don't really do anything. Yeah, uh, I think they're still at least a year away, if not two. I think they're also probably a pitcher away. I, I like what they did, and I like what teams are doing, adding like a bunch of B-grade guys. The Rangers did it. Um, there's another team. I, I forgot who else did it, but uh, you can certainly throw the Blue Jays in there. They added Hyunjin Ryu, who had a great season last year, but May not quite be an ace, but they paid up for him. They got Tanner Roark. Um, I think they got Chase Anderson in a trade, too. So they're trying, and that's all you can really ask for out of a team. Um, certainly one who had such high moments in the mid-2010s. You know, Jose Bautista bat flip, all those playoff games in Toronto, the atmosphere. I know they're just craving that again. I mean, Toronto's insane, arguably the best sports town, question mark. Hmm. Um, but we'll see. It's definitely something to watch. I drafted them in the bandwagon draft, so I will be rooting for them, but we will see. And last but not least, well, I, I mean, I guess they are least, but say something nice about the Orioles. Um, Trey Mancini is a really good player, and you guys should love him before he leaves at the first chance he gets. And also, he may be very, very bad, but Chris Davis looking very buff. <laughs> so maybe he is worth that contract, sort of, not really. 
Okay, moving on to the NL East after a short glizzy break. Um, we will start with your World Series champions, Washington Nationals. Um, I will just say, and Ryan, I know you have thoughts on this too. People seem to be upset that the Nats are being ranked 8th, ninth in all these power rankings and whatnot. I think that's probably a little too high, if we're being honest. I mean, they lost a top 10 player in baseball. And, yeah, they did a good job filling in certain holes. But that is not easy to replace. If if it was, everyone would do it, you know? So, Ryan, why don't you elaborate on what we can expect from the Nats this year? Um, if the season started on time, I was going to say that they were going to finish in third in the division. Um, I think the World Series hangover would have been a very real thing. Also, the fact how heavily they relied on their starting rotation as a long workload for some guys who have some injury concerns. And I think they would have been a little bit rusty, but they did get some very valuable time off um, that very much greatly benefits Max, it benefits Strauss, it benefits Corbin. Um, so I think those three will be great. Um, you could probably let them ride for a little bit more. It is a short season, and I feel like the Nats kind of do have a tendency to start off a little slow out of the gate. Losing Rendon is a very, very big concern. Um, you don't really know how this offense is going to do without him. You don't know who's going to be the other platoon first baseman now that Zim is gone. Thames cannot hit lefties to save his life, so do you have Asherbo Cabrera? Being the DH, um, Howie, 36-37, should do pretty well in the DH, but is he enough to replace Rendon in the lineup? That's the question. Also, the back end of the rotation and the bullpen is rather questionable. We saw what the bullpen did to them at the beginning of last year. Um, there was just nothing they could do. That bullpen was a disaster. It should be corrected. It should be better now. But there's always a chance that it's Doolittle and Harris and everyone else is rather questionable. You don't really know about that. Um, I don't like making predictions for my teams. I think you're either too biased one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to leave my in-depth breakdown of how the Nats can go. Um, obviously, Trey, Soto, going to be exciting this year. Top three rotation going to be exciting. Robles and center field is going to be exciting. Question marks other spots. For sure. Um, and I'll say this, the way the team was set up when they made all of those, you know, offseason acquisitions, Castro, bringing back Cabrera, uh, Thames, so on and so forth, it was set up so much that you could see the way it could play out, you know. But now Zim opting out, while it seems like such a minor thing, really puts things into question, especially when you factor in the universal DH. Because before it was, oh, if there was a universal DH, now Howie will fill in that DH and you'll just platoon Zim and, and Tame that first. Well, now Zim's not there to platoon, so it's not like Tames can hit lefties now, you know? So maybe you do play righties at first. And if Carter Keeboom is the third baseman and can hold it down, not like you're really going to DH as Dribble Cabrera. 
And one thing that I think Matt Weirich said to us was that maybe you DH Eaton and put Michael A. Taylor out there for a better defensive center field or outfield. But you, then you have Michael A. Taylor's bat in the lineup. So it, it doesn't work quite as well when you were factoring in Zim to your plans. And again, this isn't to knock Zim saying he screwed everything up because, again, we completely understand why he opted out. There's just questions now. But, and this was one thing that was going on Twitter, I believe this week. I mean, I don't know, days, weeks, months, whatever. I don't even know how it's July. But there is a free agent out there who could solve all your problems. And his name? Scooter Jeanette. Uh, Yasiel Pui. <laughs> Either one. Either one, <laughs> if we're being completely honest. I think, I, tr- I, I know I, I was on the scooter train before. I was crushed when we signed Castro and Cabrera. I am officially back on the scooter train. I truly believe he is a bounce back candidate this year. And it seems silly, but I truly believe that. I mean, he was an all-star in 2018. Injuries last year. I mean, how many guys had injuries last year and were predicting them to bounce back? I think Scooter Jeanette is another one. I would love to see him in D.C. But the real one we were talking about here is Yasiel Puig. There has been some rumored interest, but obviously nothing's come to fruition yet. If the Nats, well, first of all, would you want the Nats to sign Yasiel Puig? And if they did, how does that change your outlook for them this season? So, I just have to say, Yasiel Puig and Juan Soto in the lineup. So entertaining. Oh, my God. Puig with all of his antics, licking his bat, being Puig, his huge flair, throwing his bat 1,000 feet in the air on the walk, and then Soto shuffle, grabbing his crotch, being Soto, who, by the way, played one full season of baseball, and MLB includes him in, like, every single edit and video. One of the faces, Beto. (laughs) One of the faces. Them two back-to-back will be so much fun. And, like, Nats already, like, pissed off a lot of people already around the league. They would make the Boomers so much more mad, and I'm all for it. And also, you can just have Puig play DH. That can help fix some things. It also helps Mm -hmm. your infield depth a little bit. I'm all for it. Do it. Sign my boy Puig. I've signed him in every single MLB The Show franchise I've done. Great numbers. Love the guy. If he can do well in the video game, he can do well in real life. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that's the real rule of thumb. Exactly. Um, but I think the bottom line is, does he make your team better, yes or no? And I, I think yes. the answer is unequivocally yes. Absolutely. They lost, again, a top 10 player in baseball not only defensively, but primarily offensively. Like, Cabrera can play a well enough third base. He's not Rendon level defensively, but he plays a well enough third base if you're talking about it from a defensive standpoint. But from the lineup-wise, yeah, you can platoon teams, add maybe a key boom and stuff like that, but it does not compare. It just does not compare. Like I said, if it was easy to replace Rendon, everyone would do it and nobody would get paid. But it's very difficult to do. Yasiel Puig can provide offense. Yes, it may come with some antics, but we love when Juan Soto does it. So why would we, you know, say, no, we're not going to add Puig because he's just too much, brings too much flair and antics on the field when Juan Soto is doing the same thing. I, I just, people are contradicting themselves. I would love nothing more than the Nats to lean into this direction they're going, led by Juan Soto. The let the kids play movement is rolling. There's obviously opposition to it. 
the Nats, again, I would love nothing more than them to be like one of the teams embracing that I- idea. Like we saw with the dugout dance parties and, and, and all this stuff and Howie and Eaton and, you know, Kama, Baby Shark, all this stuff. Like they're just having fun with it. Yasiel Puig adds fun. Whether or like whether you like his antics or not, it's undeniable his teammates have fun with him around. Yes, he might rug some people the wrong way, but so does Juan Soto, you know? So I think it would be a great decision. Uh, I mean, listen, it's July. There's only a six-game season. You can work out a contract so you can stay under the cap or whatever. I'm sure he'll take like a one-year deal or whatever, you know, structure it may be for a 60-game season. I would love to see it. I, I would love to see it, if we're being honest. And I think that would take them to the top of the division. But right now, I have them, again, I kind of like your idea where you don't give an official prediction. I have them as a wild card contender. I won't say they're going to get a wild card spot. I won't predict them to do that. But I think that's all they're really playing for. I don't see them winning the division. But, oh, I wasn't sure if you were going to say something. I just heard ruffling around um but we shall see with the nats um i would love to see it i'd love to see it uh but let's move on to the braves the division winners the past what two years uh maybe more than that it's it's back back years yeah it's days weeks years blending together um they added azuna they added will smith um who just tested positive for covid so that's definitely one thing to note freddie freeman also among those to test positive and it sounds like his diagnose or uh you know condition uh, his level of severity with covid is pretty intense um it seems like he's really going through it so that's definitely something to note as i'm sure other teams will go through but i guess we have to take freeman out of the equation for right now but what do you think of the braves and their outlook for this season i think the braves are honestly a tad bit overrated um acuna one of the most exciting players in baseball. He's a he's a future superstar. He's going to be incredible. Freeman, one of the best players in baseball. Albie's really exciting. Um, I think Dancy Swanson's overrated. I think Marcelo Zuna's overrated. And also, they don't really. I Albies too. I, I like Albies. I I traded for him in my show season, <laughs> so he he gave me what I needed when I had some pretty big injuries. So I do like him. Um, I don't think they have the consistency in their rotation. Um, We kind of saw it at points last year where they were going to be hitting on all cylinders and their young rotation would start to falter and they didn't really have anyone who could go out there and bring it back. Like we've seen in the past with the Nats. When the Nats were in the skid, Max would go out there and give seven, eight innings of shutout baseball and kind of get the team back on the roll. The Braves don't really have anyone that can do that, and I think that matters. and they have four guys already positive. In a season like this, if you get hit by COVID, you're done. Like you're you're straight up done. If you have a bad week because you had some pretty big guys on COVID, you're screwed. Like every single week matters. I think the Braves are rather overrated. Um, there's a reason why they haven't won a playoff series since 2001. The reason why they won the division last year is because at the beginning of the year. The Nats were a complete dumpster fire. The Mets were the Mets, and the Phillies just couldn't get out of their own way. Yeah, and so they kind of just started off hot with a soft schedule, and then they did what you have to do 
play 500 ball the rest of the way. And they kind of took advantage of the NL East being a lot weaker at the beginning of the year than we thought they would be. So I think they're overrated. And I, I mean, I don't know. I like don't want to say they're not going to make the playoffs because I hate the Braves so much. But like, I still think they find a way to make the playoffs just because they're so annoying. But I don't think they win the division. I'll say it. I don't think they made the playoffs. And I, I don't like them, obviously. Um, they are quickly becoming my most hated team in baseball, even more than the Astros. Um, I, I don't like them, but I also don't think they do it. Ha- if they had Freddie Freeman, yes, obviously. I think they are a lot to make a playoffs in one capacity or another. But Freddie Freeman is a huge loss. I Would you say Freddie Freeman's arguably the most underrated player in baseball? It seems like he's always forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I do think he, he's certainly in that conversation. So you cannot understate the loss that he has for that team. Marcelo Zuna, overrated. I agree with you. Danzy Thompson, agree. Not that they're not good players, but they are overrated. And that pitching staff, I mean, Felix Hernandez opted out. Not that he was or he is the same as he once was, but that's certainly someone they might have counted on. Mike Soroka, their ace, unproven. I mean, great season last year for sure. Unproven. And, I mean, Fulton <laughs> super rocky. Great 2018. Terrible last year. Um, so I just don't think they have it top to bottom. Um, if everyone was healthy, yes, I, I, I agree. Like, they or I concede, I guess I should say. They should be the best team in the East, but I don't think they are, and I think they missed the playoffs. Uh, but that is because this next team we're going to talk about, I think, has one of their randomly good years, and that is the New York Mets. It just seems like, to me, one of those years where the Mets are good. Uh, I That's all I can chalk it up to. I mean, I know Thor going down, Noah Syndergaard going down um, is a, a shot to their hopes, but you get a full season of Marcus Stroman. Um, Hope maybe it's full season Steven Matz um, and some other guys they have in that rotation. The lineup's good. Maybe Yohan Assessment is coming back for his, you know, age 45 season. But I just, I can only chalk it up to, I think the Mets are going to be good, and I think they win the division. That's all I can chalk it up to. Yeah, on on paper, the Mets have a top five roster in the National League. Like their pitching, their rotation is great. They have some great pieces in their bullpen. Their lineup's pretty good, but they're just the Mets. They can never piece it together. Like today is actually the one year anniversary of when um, I can't. Remember, I think it was Mickey Callaway when he threw an absolute hissy fit at the reporter and threw a chair, and another oh, player threatened yeah. the reporter. Yeah, yeah, we're the one year anniversary of that. Wow. Like, the Mets just things just happen to them, and like if anyone, <laughs> the entire team's gonna get COVID, it's going to be the Mets. Like those things that you don't think should happen, happen to the Mets, and like props to their fan base because they're loyal as hell for giving like just dealing with everything they have to deal with because they're so popular. Selling the team, not selling the team, selling the team, not. Selling oh my god, the team. that whole thing! <laughs> Everyone thought they they got so excited the blue ponds are gone, and then he changes his mind. Also, um, happy Bobby Vanilla Day. The Wilpons fell for a Ponzi scheme. That doesn't happen to other teams. It's just stuff like that. But, like, I think in a 60-game season, DeGrom is the best pitcher on the planet. I think he has an ERA under two. He's going to have stupid numbers this year. Stroman should be pretty solid. Um, I think they come in second. They have a pretty good team. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they won the whole division just because how the roster is, but just, I don't know, it's just the Mets. Like, I just have such a hard time saying anything what good will happen just because they have 40 years of, like, just nonsense happening to them. For sure, and I, I can't blame you for that at all. <laughs> I, like, it goes both ways, right? Yeah. Um, but I will say you, you make a great point. They also play in New York, which is a hot spot for COVID. So you get one guy who's just being an idiot and going Victor Robles in the club all night, and next thing you know, he's spreading it to the training staff, other players, the coaches, and the Mets are just shut down. That is absolutely something that, that could be in reality. And we might not hear about it for two weeks, and then the Mets might spread it to the Nats and, got rid, and, and other teams. And then the MLB shut down, or the whole East, <laughs> AL and L East are shut down because of freaking one guy in the Mets. And, and no one would be surprised about that. And no one would be surprised. Um, but one thing I did forget to mention is their manager, I think his first name's Luis. I can't remember his last name, so I apologize uh, to any Mets fans that listen. Um, but he was their AAA manager. A lot of the young pieces that like Jeff McNeil. Um, I can't remember. Oh, God, I'm forgetting names left and right today. I, it's the, it's the long way off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, holiday weekend, just too many glizzies. Um, <laughs> but those young pieces that are producing for the Mets now came up obviously through the system and played for that AAA manager who's now their big league manager. So I think that, you know, consistency, continuity will help them a lot. And they might take advantage of maybe the Nats getting off to a week start, the Braves not being as good uh, as they should be. And I guess the Phillies we'll talk to we'll talk about here in a second, but I think it is and as far as the NLEs goes, I think it's a Mets year, unfortunately, but it'll inevitably be fun keeping up with them uh, as we always do. Um, let's, so let's talk about the Phillies, you know, the Nats fans, favorite team. Um <laughs> Interesting, to say the least. You, you add Joe Girardi, but there might not be – I mean, we just talked about the, the Mets, but there might not be a more interesting case study than the Phillies. Yeah, so they're – so I said the Padres are the team to watch out of the NL East. The Phillies are the team – sorry, the NL West. The Phillies are the team to watch out of the East. Like, Super interesting. So you have a lot of big personalities on that team. Joe Girardi just came from the Yankees in the era when they, their entire roster was nothing but big personalities and probably the most hostile sports like media market in the entire country. He managed he, it so yeah, well. He managed it like pretty well his entire career. So I think that is going to help. Last year, their pitching was the big issue, and they did go out and sign Zach Wheeler. Going from a city to a hitter-friendly park will be pretty interesting. But he does know the division, and having him there does help a bit. They also have a lot of guys that historically start off very, very hot. So, like, um, yeah, Bryce, exactly. Example A, Bryce Harper. Um, his career numbers in his first 60 games are honestly stupid. Whatever he does uh, through his offseason workout, it works. Because my man comes out out of the gate. We saw it just about every single year he was in D.C. The dude comes out on fire, and in about 45, 50 games, he starts to you know, level back down. Yeah, he goes and, to a slump. Up. Yep. Yeah. So 60-game season, he could come out of the gate firing. JT Real Muto, best catcher in baseball. They did add Sir Didi. Andrew McCutcheon, he is healthy again and back. So their lineup 
is they have the best lineup. Pretty good. Yeah. Like I, I would say they you have think? the best lineup. Oh yeah. I think from top nice. to bottom, they have the best lineup in the NL East. And Real Muto. I don't know if you mentioned him. They saw yeah. that him. Regardless, yeah, regardless if he hates them. <laughs> he's, still <laughs> for them. He's, he's a future Nat. Yeah. Their question, their question is going to be, how's the pitching? And this goes for every single division. We don't know what's going to like work in the 60 games. Whatever divisions that are normally a pitching dominant division with the DH, they now may be an offensive division. Um, the mm-hmm. DH changes everything. ERAs will go up. Strikeouts are going to go down. So they're really interesting. Like I can see them winning division. I can also see them coming in fifth place. Like they can come in any single place in this division, and I would not be surprised about it. And they're pretty interesting right now. For sure. Um, and one thing, again, this is going to be a common theme, but uh, Aaron Nola uh, tested positive for, for COVID-19 as well. So who knows how long he might be out. Yep, he's their ace too, and that's going to be pretty interesting to watch. So you're counting on Zach Wheeler to step up, which you were already counting on him for a huge role to begin with, to be that, you know, 1A, 1B type pitcher for that contract he signed. But now he is the guy. All eyes will be on him. And he has a ton of potential. Ton of potential. But it just hasn't come to fruition in the terms of consistency. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but there's going to be a lot of faith in someone who hasn't been able to put it all together just yet. So like like you said, Ryan, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. But I, I don't know. I, I don't want to slot them in for a playoff spot. But, again, you can't really be surprised by any of the four teams we just talked about in the NL East, you know, either coming in first or coming in fourth. So it's really anyone's division. I do think they beat up on each other. Um, the Phillies, I can definitely see them coming out hot. They did last year. Came out super hot. And Aaron Nola wasn't good. So you could argue that the loss of him wasn't really all that important, you know, because they were good without him or in spite of him to start last year. So they could have that stretch. Um, and, and I know people are tired of talking about him, but Bryce Harper, he has the best 60-game stretch as far as OPS goes. Um, in the decade. 10 years, yeah. It's like 1261 or something. Absurd. Uh, you know the crazy stat that I saw is that when the Dodgers were really good like two years ago, they went mm-hmm. fifty-one and nine. Yeah, they had like they had like a month where they just won every single game. Like it was stupid, insane. Man. <laughs> fifty-one and nine. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy. Um, but I mean, <laughs> we move on to you know the lovable losers in a sense, I guess, sort of. Uh, you know what's crazy about the Marlins? Isn't Don Mattingly still their manager? Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> so the Marlins, about Marlins, the Marlins. Marlins. Um, they're my they're my favorite team, not named the Nationals. I love them. Um, their entire philosophy, everyone in the organization is like, why not us? You know, why not us? We're in the division going up against the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, the Nats, the the Phillies, the Braves. But hey. Why not us? Um, you have Jonathan VR, Lewis Brinson, who's going to be a superstar. You have some other pretty good names who are going to hold it. Um, you can probably still let fans in just because no one goes to your games anyways. So everyone's been doing social distancing since you guys moved to Miami or became a franchise. Excuse me. Um, 
I don't know. Like their their playoff hopes went from I think it was like point five to three percent. So the Marlins, <laughs> chance. Um, chance. great jerseys, love them. Don't don't think they don't think they touch twenty wins, but <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely but love for them to shock the world. They'll at least look good doing it because those exactly. are fire. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, they have a done. terrible draw. Don Mattingly still your manager, so exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> um, all right, so that does it for our divisions. Uh, next week or the week after, I haven't looked at the our schedule yet because you know we're always so organized here at Half Street High Heat. Uh, we will do our season predictions, and we'll, we'll get into you know uh, division winners, who we think is going to come away with a wild card spot, and go on throughout these playoffs. Um, again, worth mentioning. Probably won't get through the playoffs this year, but we're going to treat it like we are because, you know, we want to be optimistic and ha- enjoy baseball while it's here and not be too negative about it. So that will be coming up next week. But for now, let's move on to the best segment every week, and we'll talk about Twitter questions. Um, but the first one from a regular question asker, regular listener, frequent heater, uh, Nat's post in honor of the 4th of July and me being an 11-0 cornhole champion yesterday. The Nats have had a number of characters throughout their history. What national in its history is the ultimate <clears throat> backyard drinking game partner? So there's only one correct answer for this. Um, everyone's going to be like, Worth, I don't want someone who comes to my party and has to drive home drunk and get arrested because he's too much of an <laughs> idiot to call a cab. So Worth uh, is gone. But the correct answer it's Jonathan Pavelbon. One, mm, no one's one. no one's out drinking him. Let's be honest. That dude just looks like he could freaking take just a beer to the face after a beer after a beer and be perfectly fine. Um, if you're playing cornhole, you need someone to intimidate. What's more intimidating to the freak Jonathan Pavelbon next to you, just screaming? If he hits a clutch shot, you know he's gonna stand there and just grab his crotch and just scream "f you" at the other team like he did many times on the mound after he got a save. Um, the guy like he just screams that he can drink you know he's going to be unreal at all the party games he's going to be your most loyal teammate he'll go to war with you if your your party gets a little competitive the guy just screams great drinking partner and you know for a fact if you get him during the olympics or anything else he's winning it let's be honest the answer is jonathan pavelbon yeah that's probably the right answer um i had a couple of guys in mind i think if there was like a, such thing as a dark horse drinking partner, uh, Adam LaRoche would be up there. He just seems like his kid will be there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, hey, but at least he won't drive home drunk. Um, but he, maybe he, he would be like an imposing, but you know, unassuming drinking partner and just come through in the clutch. That's one. But I think my answer would be Denard Span because I think he's just like athlete. You know, I, I think he can handle his beer so he can play that long game too. Whereas Jonathan Papelbon, yeah, everything you said is true, but just as likely as him winning the beer Olympics is, it's also very possible that he just blows out after, you know, four beers in two minutes and goes insane. So <laughs> I think Denard Span is better for that long game. He's, again, screams athlete. He can knock out, you know, beer pong, cornhole, uh, whatever it may be. Um, so that, that's a good question. You can always count on Nats Post to give good questions. 
you know? Great guy. Great theater. Great, great guy. And also like really, post. really good at Warzone. Really good. <laughs> and apparently Cornhole, too. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Uh, another question. Uh, what is the best thing to come out of quarantine? Ooh. Um, my rim-making abilities. Really? So they were that good? Mm-hmm. I'm not even joking, dude. Those things were fire. Huh. That's interesting. Interesting. Oh, and, well, I mean, we're, I'm going to my own horn here, but went vegetarian over quarantine, you know, not trying to add the quarantine 15. Uh, <laughs> but I actually lost 15 pounds during quarantine just going vegetarian. So, uh, well, in, in full disclosure, I have my cheat day on Fridays where uh, I'll eat, you know, whatever I want. But otherwise, vegetarian, lost 15 pounds. So feeling pretty good about myself. Um, but best thing to come out of quarantine you know, it stunk not uh, – I coach baseball and not having that season to coach stunk. Um, and then, obviously, sports being canceled, no March Madness, no hockey playoffs as of yet, and then, obviously, a delay to a baseball season. That stunk. But honestly, quarantine hit <laughs> at the right time for me because I moved. <laughs> um, I was able to get out of my old lease early, get into a, a better place, um, and obviously have the time to move. Working from home is awesome. Still love doing it. Hopefully, my boss uh, continues to let us do it. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess <laughs> all of that <laughs> is good. Um, and now that things are hopefully, well, I guess I can't even say that because we're still breaking records for you know the number of positive tests uh, every day. But I don't know. I, I kind of like that as far as quarantine goes. Kind of looked out for for me personally but <laughs> if y'all could uh you know wear a mask wash your hands and stay the hell away from each other uh that would help a lot too you know uh, that would be much appreciated um but that's all we got for for twitter questions for this week a little bit of a longer episode ryan you got anything to add before we uh you know wrap it up uh no um wear a mask it's a freaking mask you don't complain when you have to wear clothes out in public so please Please wear a mask. Yeah, just just wear a mask. <laughs> wear a mask. And don't be that guy to go into a store and, like, not wear a mask. Like, don't, don't be a Karen. Don't just wear a mask. It's not that hard. Just not that hard. It just isn't. And don't go to restaurants. Carry out only. But specifically go to Chili's and tip your waiters well. Yes. Uh, or, or just tip your establishment as well. Support local businesses. Support your local Terry. Um, and also said it last week, said it again. Just because it's not trending anymore doesn't mean the fight is over. Black Lives Matter. Arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain and so many other people. It. I mean, we, there, what else is there to say? Like, just keep it going. Keep it trending. Keep the focus on. Keep the pressure on. Because... We are starting to see some change, but it is not nearly enough. Keep the pressure on. Keep it trending. Keep talking about it. Even if it's not comfortable, please, please, please do that and wear a mask at the same time. That would be awesome. Um, but, Ryan, if that's all you got, with I think that wraps up, uh, you know, well done episode 61 without Amanda. Um, but she will be back next week, and we will talk more about what we expect from a season and do some predictions, some bold predictions. That's always a good episode as well. Um, but that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, follow Ryan at DC Natchak. 
Follow myself at Half Shack Cap. Follow Amanda at AWhite7877. The show at Half Street High Heat. Monty in the blog at M. Davis Taylor. OPT at One Pursuit Takes. Uh, at Chili's. At Chili's. Um, so for Ryan and myself, Amanda Vicariously, thank you, and we will see you later. Good night. <laughs> There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.